star search. I'm going to talk to you about the original star search. You know, the Bible, I believe, is true. Now, that may sound anti-intellectual to you. It may sound unreasonable to you. But the more I get to know the Bible, and I have for 37, 38 years now, the more I see that it's true. It's true prophetically. It's true in historical accounts. It's true in its principles on how to live life. It's true. You hold in your hand the most unique book in all the world. There is not another book like it, not another one. This is the Word of God. All Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, is given by inspiration of God. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, that's, that's pretty narrow-minded. No, it's really not narrow-minded at all. I've studied it. I've studied it intellectually. I've studied it devotionally, and I know this is true. So the account that we're going to read today is true. And it has to do with a star. Let's put it up there, and let's read this together. And we're going to look at the original star search. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his what, everyone? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. I want to talk to you about that star today. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the word of God, that it's true, that its accounts are true, that its historical accuracy is true. And Lord, I pray that you'll make your word come alive to us today in this special time of the year, and that, Lord, you will speak to our own hearts. We thank you for the star that led these wise men to Jesus Christ. Now, will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to my heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, star search. Now, I think this is one of the most amazing stories in the Bible. And let me just give you a little bit of background here. The Bible records that around 2,100 years ago, a strange and an alluring star one night suddenly appeared in the sky to a group of wise men who were living in the Far East, or what the Bible calls in some versions uh, magi, wise men, in the geographical area, get this, of ancient Iran. They were in ancient Iran, uh, what was formerly called Persia, but it was ancient Iran. And suddenly this star appears in the sky. Now, these wise men just happened to be astronomers or stargazers by profession. That's what they did. They knew the constellations. They knew the journey of the stars across the sky. <clears throat> they were very familiar with the patterns of the stars. And suddenly something appeared in the sky that they had never seen before. It seized their attention. It was a star, one lonely star. And this star was unusual. It was different. It was instantly arresting. It spoke to them. It drew them. Now, the particular Greek word for star in this Bible account is a, is a very general word that could mean any kind of bright object in the sky. Asteros, we get asteroid from it. It could be a star, it could have been a planet, it could have been even a comet. It would, the, the word used could have been anything, a star, a planet. Uh, it could have been a, a 
lineup of the planets in the solar system that caused a bright light to shine. It could have been any one of those things. But I believe that it was a special heavenly light. This star that suddenly appeared was God speaking to these wise men. And I believe the evidence suggests that. You know, if God wants to, He can put a star up there. God manifested Himself. You know, I want you to know today that I believe in a God who makes Himself real. I believe in a God who speaks to us. I believe in a God who can manifest His presence in many different ways. And this star suddenly appeared and then disappeared. It wasn't normal. There it is, and then it was gone. It was seen from many, many miles away by these men, hanging stationary in the sky, stationary in the heavens, yet it also moved. As these wise men walked through Jerusalem and headed towards Bethlehem, this same star reappeared, as we're going to see in a moment, it reappeared and it moved. It guided them. This was not a normal star. This was a supernatural star. This was something sent by God Almighty who spoke and the stars appeared. Who spoke and the animals that cover the world appear. Who spoke and you and I were created from the dust of the earth. We serve a living God, a powerful God, a mighty God. And He manifested Himself as a star. It was a special light from God. When this star appeared in the east, these wise men somehow knew it wasn't just any star. They instantly knew there was something unique about it. And they would later call it His star. Before they even found the baby, Jesus, in the home of Joseph and Mary, they were calling it His star. And they were overjoyed when they saw it. Now when I read that account and it says these wise men were overjoyed when they saw this star and called it his star, you got to wonder, where did they get that? How did they know that? Where did they get that? Why call it his star? And why be overjoyed when you see it? You see, that's what God does when he manifests himself to you and to me. It causes joy in your heart. It causes joy in your heart. You can't be approached by God without it causing, I think, conviction of sin. And then once the sin is covered, joy in your heart. But why were they joyful? These men were not even Jewish, waiting for the Messiah. They were Gentiles. As a matter of fact, they were the first Gentiles reached like this in the New Testament. God extending His hand to Gentiles and not just the Jews. Now, here's what I think. Somewhere along the way, somehow, because they were scientists, because they had good minds, and because they circulated a lot, I believe somehow they became aware of an Old Testament prophecy written down about 1,400 years before Jesus was born. I want you to listen to what the prophet said. And you can find this in the Bible in Numbers 24, 17. It was a prophecy telling how one day the Lord himself would be born on earth. The Lord would be born. God would wrap himself in skin. God would be born in the earth. And it said that when the Messiah was born, there would be a star. And I think they knew this. Listen to what the prophet wrote. He said, quote, I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. 
The prophet says, not going to be in my time period, not going to be in my life. It's way in the future, and it turned out that it was 1,400 years in the future. But he said, when God is born, when the Messiah comes to the earth, a star is going to be seen over Jacob, over Israel. There will be a star. And I think these wise men knew about it. And so long before the Lord was born, people already knew that a star would be a sign that the Lord had been born. And can I say to you today, the same God that prophesied Messiah would come and a star would be hanging in the sky as a sign of his birth, that same God has said he's coming back again. I mean, if he did it once, he's going to do it again. That's why these things mean so much to me. That's why Christmas ought to really ring in our soul. Because Christmas is more, as I heard somebody preaching on the radio this week, Christmas is more than a big fat Santa. Christmas has to do with God condescending, coming to earth, wrapping himself in skin, God becoming flesh, God becoming a human being. And if he could do that, the same Jesus when he was ascending, said, I'm coming again. The angels spoke to the disciples and said, the same way he's ascended, he's going to descend again and come to the earth again. And I believe, church, we are at the doorstep of the return of Christ. That's why Christmas ought to excite us. And so the focus of the wise men was a single, solitary star nestled among many others yet so different a star that would lead them to the light of the world when God deals with you it will always lead you to Jesus when God deals with you it will not lead you to Buddha it will not lead you to Confucius it will not lead you to some other religion when God Almighty who made the world deals with you and me he will always lead us to Jesus that star came and led them to only one place it didn't give them many options it led them to one home and one baby the search for Jesus you know when I look at the New Testament the search for Jesus is all over the New Testament King Herod sought to kill him crowds who were miraculously fed sought to crown him Religious leaders sought to trap him. Roman soldiers sought to arrest him. But the wise men sought to know him. Can I tell you today that the Jesus I'm preaching on, you can know personally? And most of you in here know that. But I think some may not. Some may have drifted. Some may have gotten far away. And for those of you who do know him, you can know him better. I'm so glad that the Jesus who came to the world came to fellowship with you and me. He came to get to know us and us to get to know Him. I'm so glad He came to stay. I'm so glad He sticks closer than a brother. I'm so glad that when everyone else walks out, He walks in. I'm so glad for a Christ and a Messiah who loves us. Can you say with me, Jesus loves me? This I know. What a great thing to know at Christmas time. The economy can fall apart. Clouds can cover the sky. 
Mountains can be shaken, but one thing remains firm, and that is God loves you. He loves me, and nothing, not tribulation, not the economy, not letdowns, not job loss, not anything can separate me from the love of God who is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Give me the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Give me Jesus in my heart and I can walk through anything. I can get through any valley. I can go through any fire. I can come out on the side of any trial as long as He's there. Now before we look further at their, at their journey, the journey of these wise men, I want to point something out. I want you to notice something. God called to them in a language that they would understand best. I want you to listen to this. See, these men were astronomers. They were scientists. They knew the stars. They knew the heavens. They were thinkers. And how did God appear to them? God appeared to them by a star. Appeared to them in their own language. He came into their world. And that's the way that God operates with all of us. He comes into your world. He invades your space. He graciously steps in and speaks to you like no one else can, and He'll come to you in a way that you can understand it. Watch this. To the shepherds watching over their flocks by night, God sent angels proclaiming Jesus' birth. But God spoke to Moses, a man of the desert, out of a familiar desert bush that burned. He spoke to Balaam through a donkey, to Samuel, a future prophet who would have to in the future become very familiar with the voice of God. To Samuel, God's voice spoke to him in the still of the night. Paul the Apostle, an Old Testament scholar who knew all about God appearing as fire and other dramatic manifestations was struck with a blinding light and a booming voice from heaven. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the convictions that are coming against you in your heart. Jesus spoke to the fisherman Peter with a net-breaking, boat-sinking load of flipping, flopping fish. He spoke to them in a language they could understand. Now let me tell you what this says to me. Whatever will reach you best, God will send that star. Because God cares enough to come to you in a custom-designed way. He cares enough to approach you with a custom-designed word. He loves you enough to send His only Son to die on a cross for you. He'll hold nothing back to reach you. My dad, my dad was an intellectual guy. He was very bright. He read voraciously. He knew all kinds of information. And that information almost ruined him from getting to know God because he read so many things that were skeptical. But one day he walked in off the patio. And I've been witnessing to him for years. He walks in off the patio and he says, Jeff, I was just out there. I was just out there looking at the tree and there was a squirrel in the tree and there were birds in the tree. And the sun was setting. And I looked at this glorious picture out there and something occurred to me. He said, no way that happened by chance. See, and that was the beginning. 
God spoke to my dad through the star of nature. And it spoke to him. It was the beginning of his salvation. I was able to lead him to Christ in a car years later. But that was the first step. And how did it happen? God put a star in the sky. He put a witness that my dad could wrap his mind around. If I'm duck hunting, I don't blow a whistle that sounds like a barking dog. If I'm trying to attract a fish, I don't attach bird seed to the bait. Whatever I'm trying to attract, whatever I'm trying to catch, I'm going to use what they are drawn most to, what they most understand. God loves you enough to reach you in a way you can understand. This message might be a star to you today. Maybe for the first time in your life, it's occurring to you. Wow, Jesus is not just some historical figure, some first century hippie who walked around saying neat things. Maybe he was who the Bible says he was. Amen. You can give the Lord a hand of praise if you want to, because that's true. I tell you, I believe that God places things right in our path that will grab our attention and cause us to listen to the gospel story. When God began to call me into the spirit-filled life, into a life of walking with Him in discipleship, He sent two of my old friends to my door. And when I opened the door, it could have been, listen, if it hadn't been for them, I wouldn't have gone to the Bible study they invited me to. But they had long hair like me, they were in blue jeans like me, bell-bottom blue jeans, that's going to date me. And they said, we have found a place where Jesus is really being. I said, Jesus being taught? What do you mean? He said, come to a Bible study tonight. Well, God sent people who I could identify with, who I could understand. That's why Paul said, we become all things to all men that we might save some. God will reach you. God loves you so much, He will cater His Word to particularly and uniquely speak to you. You may not be a person of faith today. You may just be here because you're in for Christmas. You may be listening by radio and you're not a person of faith. You've had some religion, you've heard some Bible stories, you've been in some churches, but you're not really walking with Christ. You're not really walking with God. And you know it. You're not really walking with Him. Can I give you a little hint? There's probably a star that God has sent somewhere in your life right now. Because the time is short. The trumpet's about to blow. I tell you, you don't want to be left on this planet after Christ has come and gone. And whatever the star is, it's been sent to shine forth God's love to you inviting you to himself see the Holy Ghost is working all over the world right now he is wooing people all over the world he is talking to people speaking to hearts convicting people of sin he's giving the final invitation before the great tribulation hits this planet and all that's left on this earth are the ungodly the child abusers the murderers the rapists those who walk in abject darkness, that's all that will be left after Christ comes. You don't want to be here for that. And the dinner bell is being rung. He is catering His messages to reach people. The star that God has sent into your life shines with His reality, shines with His light. 
And it's, and it's beckoning you to go on a star search of your own. Some of the stars I've seen God use through the years with people. Let me give you some examples. The star of a testimony. What God has actually done for you or in the life of somebody else. There you are, you're going along your merry way, living in darkness, living in sin, and suddenly somebody comes into your life that has got a testimony. And they've got a testimony about God. And oh, you don't want to hear it, but something about what they're saying is still tugging on the strings of your heart anyway. And they come bouncing into your life, smiling, one of those, and with a gleam in their eye, the skip in their step, and the Bible in their hand, talking about Jesus. And they say to you, oh, what the Lord has done for me. They say, oh, that's great, that's great, that's good for you, that's not really not good for me. But inside, something about that shining star, that testimony is talking to you. And you're going to one day realize God sent it. Someone's in your life, someone's in your home, might be a spouse, might be a co-worker, might be an old friend. It's the star of somebody's testimony that's shining in your life. And there's also the star of revelation. You say, what do you mean by revelation, Pastor Jeff? Well, God has touched your heart with his truth. There's something you have heard. Maybe it's this right now. Something you have heard and has made you think about God. All it takes is one verse. One word from God can be like a hook in your soul that you can't forget about. It's a star shining in the night of your soul. When the great preacher Charles Spurgeon was 16 years old, he found himself greatly depressed and purposeless. He stumbled one day into a little church with a handful of people, and there was a guest preacher. And this guest preacher was talking to this little tiny group, and bless his heart, he couldn't put two sentences together without greatly damaging the English language. He was illiterate. And here's the great Spurgeon, 16 years old who would one day be called the prince of preachers, the master of preaching. Nobody preached like Charles Spurgeon. There he sat, 16, lost in darkness. And this illiterate preacher let loose with one verse, and it said, Look unto me and be saved. Look unto me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, I am God and there is no one else. And Spurgeon heard that. And he said it was like something grabbed him by the throat. It was like something began to speak to him through that verse. And faith broke through on his life. And that verse became a star shining in his soul. And that verse led him to a saving knowledge of Christ. And an illiterate guest preacher led the greatest preacher in the English-speaking language to Christ. So it can be a star of revelation. It can be the star of our own needs and longings and hungers. See, the star that appeared in the east, think about this. Here's these guys. They got their life. They got their money coming in. They're established. They're scientists. Everybody knows them. They're men of reputation. But something about that star, something about what God sent, something about that light in the sky appealed to more than their intellectual curiosity. It appealed to longings and hungerings that rested deep in the souls of, of these men, something deeper than an intellectual quest grabbed hold of them. It was more than their spiritual uh, hunger, even though it was spiritual hunger that it appealed to. As I look at this, it's even more than that. 
Not only were they hungry, but God's Spirit was dealing with their heart. It was not just the pull of spiritual hunger. Their spiritual hunger had found a connection, and it was the Spirit of God. And the star that God sent, He put His Spirit upon it. And His Spirit drew these men. Did you know that Jesus said, No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws them to Me, and at the last day I will raise them up. You can't come to Jesus unless the Spirit of God draws you. And can I tell you, I'm so thrilled. I believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit. I've told you that every Saturday night I pray, Oh God, may your Spirit come into that place tomorrow and speak to the hearts of people because God's Spirit is a drawing Spirit. He's a convicting Spirit and He's a drawing Spirit. And I believe the Spirit of God creates hungers in our heart. He creates thirsting and longing for God that does not originate with us. He creates something inside of us. We say like those men in the book of John, they said to Philip, Sir, we've got to see Jesus. David said, My heart and my flesh long for the living God, long for the courts of God. See, I thank God for spiritual hunger. You want to know one of the keys, one of the signal keys and earmarks of a healthy church? A healthy church has a longing and a hungry and a thirsting for God. That's why I'm excited about our church. But there comes a point when God is dealing with you, when He's dealing with your heart, that the Spirit of God will create in you a hunger and a longing, and you cannot deny it, and you cannot talk it away. You cannot, you cannot live in denial forever. His Spirit will deal with your heart, and He woos you. He romances you. He calls you. He beckons to you. He gives you something deep down within that says, I've got to find God, and nothing else will do. I have got to get this question of my soul settled. Nothing else will do. I've got to find Jesus. Nothing else will do. You wouldn't be here on Sunday when it's 75 degrees in December in this godless culture of ours if the Spirit of God were not dealing with your heart and touching your heart and putting a desire in you to seek after God. You wouldn't be here. What are you doing here? Sometimes our own restlessness, longings and hungering for deeper meaning in life can be the star that lights our way to the bread of life and the light of the world. I'm going to say it again. When it's God's star, it will always lead you to Jesus. It won't lead you to Buddha. It won't lead you to Confucius. It won't lead you to an, It will lead you to Jesus. God's got one message for the world. I so love the world, I gave my only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's all that God's saying to us. There's always stars out there if you look up. God's speaking to you if you look up. Is there a star speaking to you today? Are you just kind of out there? Have you looked around you to see what God has placed in your life to get your attention and draw you to Him where you finally give Him your heart and your life? Do you know that He's not going to do that forever? Do you know that one day He'll no longer strive with you? Do you know that one day he'll leave you to your own devices? But now they were still faced with a decision. Would they pursue the star? He sent the star, but would they take advantage of it? 
At what cost and for how long? Would they move out of their comfort zone in search of a star that spoke to their heart, something that held great promise? Would they? Well, I've already told you, they lived in ancient Iran. And from where they were to where the star was leading them was about 160 miles, which to us is a blink. But to them, they had camels, they had donkeys, they had family, they had to carry food, they had caravans. And they got a couple of miles a day, folks. They didn't get very far. 160 miles was a long journey. Is this star, is it worth it? Is it worth it for us to leave home and hearth and seek out this star? And they made the decision, yes. And if you decide to go after Jesus, then yes, it will be worth it. Yes, you will be rewarded. Yes, you will be filled. No, you will never regret it. Yes, He is the treasure. He's the pearl of great price. And He's worth every step you take. And another thing I've noticed in this is, as in all things, when God begins to deal with you and me, their star search encountered problems. Yet God saw them through. When they got to Jerusalem, the star had disappeared. What's this? God puts the star up there and then it disappears? The star disappeared. So they had to go around town asking, Hey, we saw a star. Where is it? And they came up against Herod, an evil toad of a man. This Herod would soon order the execution of every baby, two years old and under, every male child. And he began to say to them, well, where is he? And they encountered spiritual warfare because he intended to kill the baby Jesus. And I want to tell you the truth today. If you follow the star in your life, if you decide, decide to pursue the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus himself said the going would not be easy, but it would be worth it. I'd be lying to you. If I told you, come to Jesus, everything is going to be okay. Listen, come to Jesus and you're going to be in a battle. Come to Jesus and you've got a major fight on your hands. Come to Jesus and you're going to have to crucify your flesh and deny yourself daily. But is it worth it? Yes, because on the other side of that, you find life and life abundantly. Jesus said, if you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But listen to the promise. But if you forget about yourself and look to me and pursue me, you'll find both yourself and me. You don't find yourself going and doing whatever you want to do. You find yourself in the light of God's grace and the light of God's revelation. Word got out that these three men were looking for a star, and they were calling it his star, and Herod went and found out what the Bible prophecy said, and Herod illuminated them. He, God used the enemy to illuminate these seekers of Jesus. He referred them to Micah 5.2. Listen to this. It's amazing. But you, Bethlehem, Micah prophesied centuries before the birth of Jesus. But you, Bethlehem, you are little to be among the clans of Judah. Yet out of you shall one come forth for me who is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, even from eternity. Micah prophesied that a person with eternal credentials would step into human history through Bethlehem. So they said, so it's Bethlehem. They set out for Bethlehem. And as soon as they started walking from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, the star appeared again and began to move. And they just followed. 
That's not a comet. That's not a normal star. What they didn't realize, they had just encountered another star when they were told the prophecy. The Bible says we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. And the prophets had said, a Messiah is going to be born. You'll call his name Jesus, for he will save you from your sins. The word of God is the north star, the brightest of all, that leads you to the Messiah named Jesus. Now, when they finally found Jesus, here's how it closes. He was about two years old. He was not in the manger behind the inn when the wise man found him. He was a year to two years old. And they found him in a house, not in a manger. And they went into the house, and the Bible says, as soon as they saw him, they bowed. And they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold represented the wealth and power of a king because he was a king. Frankincense was used in the temple to worship the Lord. It represented deity because he is God born in flesh. And myrrh was a kind of perfume made from the leaves of of a Middle Eastern rose. Though it was used in beauty treatments, when mixed with vinegar, it became an anesthetic And after a person died, myrrh was used to anoint the body and prepare it for burial. So the gift of myrrh pictures his suffering and his death. How did they know this? It's gold pointing to his majesty. He's king. Frankincense pointing to his deity. He's God. Myrrh pointing to his humanity. He's destined to die. To these wise men, Jesus possessed more royalty in a cradle than Herod possessed in his palace. He was greater in his infancy than a king in his ascendancy. He was more powerful as a child than Napoleon as an emperor. Can you stand with me today? The grace of God can you see with me, is not limited to people or families or certain territory. Because when grace goes to work on somebody, can you all see with me, grace doesn't even need a person to tell someone about the Lord. You know how Muslims are being saved all over the world? Because you can't go in there and witness to them because you'll, you'll get your head cut off. So you know what's happening to Muslims all over the world? They're having visions of angels and they're having dreams about Jesus the Messiah. And they're coming to Christ without a witness. That's what's happening. I was talking to to Pastor Al Meredith uh, over there at Wedgwood Baptist Church, and he's done a lot of reading on this. And he said, I can't tell you how many testimonies are coming in from all over the world where Muslims are sitting there, and all of a sudden they'll have a vision of an angel that will tell them about Jesus the Messiah, or they'll have a dream. And that dream... The Messiah speaks to them and says, I am He. And they're being converted without a witness. These wise men, wasn't anybody there to witness to them, so God sent a star. But you and I have a witness. Now I want you to go out and be somebody's star. 
Star power. Star power. Thank God for the star that hung over Bethlehem and thank God for the Savior that the star led them to. Let's bow in prayer. And you can say, Pastor Jeff, today, I used to know the Lord, but I've gotten away. And yet, He still sends stars into my life. Witnesses, testimonies, words. And I know that He's calling me to fully dedicate my life to Him again. Wouldn't you like to do that today? Or maybe you've never had the miracle of being born again. And this message has been the star that God is using to speak to you. If you're in either one of those two categories, God the Father wants you leaving this building today with peace in your heart. There is no peace without the Prince of Peace, but the Prince of Peace will give you peace. And it happens when you come to that baby like the wise men did. You say, he died for me. He rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Don't wait another day. If you're away from him, don't wait another day. You can say, Pastor, I'm in one of those two categories, and I will let you pray for me today. I want you to raise your hand right where you are. Just put it up where I can see you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to ask you if your hand is raised. This is very important. I want you to come down to the front. I want you to stand here. Don't worry about what people think because it doesn't matter what people think. It matters what God thinks. And you take one step and the Lord is going to begin to touch your heart. I want you to come right now. From all over this place, come. And I also want to receive people who sense that God is adding you to this church, to Turning Point Church, to be your church family. So how will I know that? You know it because you feel at home. You know it because you feel like you're home when you're here. God ministers to you when you're here. And I want to receive you today to make this your church home. So if you're in that category, I want you to come as well. Come right now as we begin to sing. Just slip out and come. Say, well, why do I need to come and join the church? Because we need to know who you are. We need to know who you are and pray for you and Uh, be able to send you letters and and, uh, hold your name up to the throne of grace. So I want you to come right now. If God's calling you to this house, in Jesus' name, you come as we begin to sing.